Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Do you have any family or friends that think you are nuts for following Jesus? Of course, that's just our problem, right? I mean, if you were actually Jesus, that wouldn't happen, right? <laughs> hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Listeners Reported Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own stories in light of that. And right now, just so you know, we're in a season where your grateful host is taking some vacation time for a few weeks between vacation and uh working on my doctorate work and uh, at Denver Seminary. So we're just reading books straight through conversationally, but without the preparation of like the closing reflection remarks and that kind of stuff. Yesterday, we kicked off the book of Mark and heard Mark demonstrate Jesus's authority by recording his power, for instance, over demons and sickness. And this same Jesus said something then that he is still saying today to you. It's an invitation and a command. Follow me. Mark chapter 3, picking up in verse 13. Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve. To Simon he gave the name Peter, and to James the son of Zebedee, and To his brother John, he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus entered a house, and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. And when his family heard this, get this, my friends, this this is the spot. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, he's out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebul and he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided itself against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand, but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, and then he can plunder his house. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin, because they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and told him, Look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those in the circle around him, he said, Here, are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. 
Again he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly, since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, produced fruit that increased thirty, sixty, and a hundred times. And then he said, Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he answered them. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive, they may indeed listen and yet not understand, otherwise they might turn back and be forgiven. And then he said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seed among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seed sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundred times what was sown. He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I'm just going to pause right there. You know, that last line, this is Jesus' words. That sounds a little weird in our contemporary egalitarian, everybody should have equal outcomes kind of <laughs> culture, right? For whoever, ha- whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. My friends, I think of that sometimes. I don't want to say this is all the time, and I want to be careful that this is my opinion. This is not me exegeting the text. But think about knowledge. For whoever has, more will be given to him. When you go deeper, you begin to make new connections. You see how, oh, we just read that whole, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him listen, right? We just heard Jesus say that in the book of Revelation that we just wrapped up a few days ago. And we start to make those connections. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Well, what happens when we, I mean, use it or lose it, right? Whatever, what happens when we don't 
exercise something we learned. I mean, how many of you remember what a quadratic equation is? I don't, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I aced algebra, but I don't remember. There you go. Whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. My friends, I think that's part of the nature of our relationship with God. Continuing. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground and he sleeps and rises night and day and the seeds sprout and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. By itself. First the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. And, he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that, when sown upon the soil, is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when grown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. On that day, when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along, since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the, so that the boat was already being swamped. Now he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? <laughs> he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. And as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And Legion begged Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about two thousand rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them 
ran off and reported it in the town and in the countryside, and the people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw that the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. And then they began to beg Jesus to leave their region. And, by the way, I'm just going to say this. They just lost a big chunk of their livelihood, right? 2,000 pigs. But a whole bunch of money was still more important to them than the amazement of this guy that had been delivered. I mean, seriously, like exorcism delivered. Jesus, yo, get out of here. You're costing me money. We didn't care about that guy anyway. I don't know. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with Jesus. And Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. So the man went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for twelve years had endured much under the many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. And having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and and yet you say, Who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this, and the woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. And they came to the leader's house, and he saw the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him as, and, and entered the place where the child was. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, 
Talitha Kum, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk, and she was twelve years old. Pause, and we're almost done here. Parentheses was she was twelve years old. I believe that means she was at an age of accountability. At least that was true in Jewish men. But I guess the point is, she probably also could be a witness for herself in saying, yeah, this is true. Anyway, immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. He left there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor and except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his household. And he was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. And there you go, Mark three thirteen through 6, 6. And um, my voice is getting tired today. But that's preparing for vacation, and I thank you for being on the journey with me and how we just get to do this, and it's never the same twice, but it's you and me. I love you. Lord God, uh, thank you, Father, for the way that you speak to us through your word, that you remind us who we are in light of your holiness. And Lord, I just thank you for the like the compassion that we saw in Jesus, that, that his heart is burdened for people who truly hurt and truly, truly come to him. And Lord, may we be like that. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here, Lord, who just is still struggling, um, that they would just see you and, and, and just say, Lord, I, Jesus, I want to follow you. Or maybe, Lord, so there's somebody here who has been following you and has just been struggling and wandered away. And Lord, I just I pray that that person listening right now will just, will just see your arms wide open and experience that compassion and love all over again. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, my friends. Amen.